around and disregard it So if you walk the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get started, it's the hardest Talk around and disregard it So if you walk the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get started yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grip, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest podcast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now. It's time to sit and relax Get your mind blown away Ain't no skipping this track Have you paying more attention No listening gap Get everything I ever wanted No giving it back Yeah, back. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the hardest Talk around, don't disregard it Woo, man Great googly moogly Don't go soft When the hardest part Casts out Man, that is some good shit right there. What's up, everybody? As you just heard, uh, it's the hardest part of the ring. Back at ya with another apron bump and obviously a very special one. Now, first of all, want to give a shout out to Rico Maz, who uh, did that theme song for me. Obviously, it's a, a remix of my original intro song, but with spicy spicy hot fire added to it so thank you to rico you can find him on spotify and uh other places as well and i'll put all of that in the description below awesome dude really fun to work with and uh and yes once again all this info below if you want to check him out really good music of uh all genres really so and now you might be asking hey Hardest part of the ring. You got a new song. Is that uh, is that because you're in your second year of the podcast? Is that uh, is that how you're celebrating fifty episodes of the Apron Bump? Is that why you have a new song? I'm gonna tell you this. No, it's not. New song, new Apron Bump, because we are here to talk about Triton. Man, I was so look. If you caught um, just for, for some quick backstory, if you're uh, kind of just diving in dick first into this podcast and you haven't listened to my other uh, TNA reviews, the the latest one I did before this was uh, Against All Odds 2005, and I did that with Charlie from the Get Show podcast. It was a really good episode. Go check that out if you haven't already. Um, but in that episode, they kind of um, or we kind of talked about. How at that previous pay-per-view, which against all odds was the previous pay-per-view. I don't know if I said that or not. At against all odds, they did this whole vignette. Triton is going to debut on Impact the next week. And, uh, man, you know, we get into it in the episodes. I'm not going to step on our toes. But to say, uh, <laughs> you know, that there's, there's falling off a cliff. But then there's falling off a cliff and then hitting a bunch of branches on the way down. And then, like, kind of catching yourself, but then slipping off. 
and then like Superman swooping in to catch you. Uh, and then bringing you back up to the top and then dropping you again. And then you land on some spiky rocks and then the blood's everywhere and the piranhas eat the rest of your remains. That represents Triton, <laughs> his career and his match on this show. So if you like car crashes, you're, man, you're tuned into the right episode because, uh, man, I am over five minutes in and I haven't even told you what this episode's on although it is also in the title so if you can't uh you know gather from that i don't know what to tell you but tna destination x 2005 uh obviously emanating from the impact zone and yeah these destination x pay-per-views they did them uh on a yearly basis and traditionally they were more geared towards the x division and um i guess kind of they did that on this show it was really just one match that they were building to um, but they definitely built towards that match more than any other match they had on the card. And, you know, traditionally, there's kind of like, it's just, I don't know. It feels like a like a B pay-per-view to me. Maybe that's just me because it's so, uh, I mean, I'm, we're, we're going to spend over an hour telling you why. <laughs> this kind of felt like a B pay-per-view. Um, but it, there was a lot of entertaining stuff. Um, entertainingly good and entertainingly bad on this show, as per usual, when it comes to these TNA reviews but uh yet we have jeff jarrett continuing his reign of terror as world champion got aj styles who is the uh doing the opposite for the x division he's uh the x division champion at the time and uh is really getting the ball rolling for that division because that is what's going to uh set tna apart from the rest of the competition at this point in time so good stuff from aj and the x division on this show um some other good matches. Uh, we get another Raven versus Dustin Rhodes match. Thank goodness, because that first one was so amazing. It wasn't. And, um, yeah, the Disciples of Apocalypse are back here. Because apparently that's what people were clamoring for in 2005, you know. I mean, hey, they sucked 10 years previous to this. So maybe they won't suck here. They did. Um, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but someone that does not suck is Frank Mandolini from the last minute wrestling podcast. A long time coming. Been wanting this guy on for a while and we finally did it. A uh, great guest. He has a great podcast himself. Uh, does a lot of really cool interviews. I, he interviewed RVD, um, among other people does them all the time and uh, does a really good job at it as well. You can find him at uh, lmwpodcast.com and also at lmwpodcast on all social medias. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you know, black people meet, all of the uh, all of the usual suspects. So uh, give Frank a follow. All his info's in the description. Really good follow on all social medias and a great podcast as well and we had a raucous time discussing some old school TNA here, so let's get to it. TNA, Destination X, 2005, with myself and Frank from the Last Minute Podcast. Yeah, thanks again for joining me on this. I know you're a, you're a busy man over there. I know you're doing a, a lot of stuff, a lot of content lately, so I appreciate you making the time to, uh, to come on the old apron bump here. 
No, well, thank you for having me. That's uh, that's amazing, actually. I, I've been wanting to do this such of a retro review for a long time now. Yeah, yeah, it's always a good time. I heard you on um on Matt Riddler's Matt Ritter's podcast, Smacking yeah. It Raw, and you guys seem to have a good time on there. And I've listened to a few of your interviews. I think uh, the RVD one was thank the first you. one I listened to. Um, so yeah, good stuff over there, man. Thank you. Um, but yeah, for this show today, you got some old TNA. Um, did, were you watching TNA during the time that this was going on? Like in bloody hell, bloody hell, yes, I did. Yes. Oh yes. no. Yes, I, I, I actually loved TNA at the time. Yeah. Well, it it was very weird uh, because uh, basically uh, they shown everything, like uh, not just Impact, even the pay per views for free here in Italy on a really? very yeah or on a very small. Uh, satellite channel that basically no almost nobody watched anyway so yeah. I, I am one of the few people who actually had the chance Took to watch yeah yeah and uh they, and since i think they started to to broadcast the pay-per-view like in uh, 2006 or something like that and every sunday they did the the older pay-per-view from 2002 up to that point so mm-hmm. basically uh, in a month, you had the chance to see four different pay-per-views uh, of the years prior. So you right. had, yeah, that th- that was great, and uh, that was around the time that Kurt Angle got there. So uh, I-, I had to 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 see that live, basically, which is yeah. something that I'm sure not so many people did uh, Italy back back uh, during that time. Mm-hmm. And that was like 06, right? When Kurt Angle yeah. got there? Yeah, I think it's uh, late 06. Yeah. Yeah, because I that, that was around the time I started watching. Um, mm-hmm. It was maybe I just stumbled upon Impact on Spike because I saw the Dudley Boys. And oh, I was yeah. like, what the fuck? I didn't know these guys were still wrestling. I had never even heard of <laughs> TNA because like Jeff Hardy was there and all these guys that I had grown up watching. I was like, oh, that's where these guys went. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this show here, Destination X 2005, this is before I started watching. So I haven't really seen this era at all. I've like heard a few things about it and I've seen some clips here and there. But as far mm-hmm. as like watching shows from start to finish, I, I've never seen uh, Destination X 05. Have you? Uh, actually, I think I've seen bits and pieces of it because uh, I don't want to spoil it at the moment. But once we have got to the last uh, couple of matches, I vividly remember basically every spot of them. So oh, really? uh, yeah, so so I think I think I had the chance to just to catch the end of the pay per view. Okay, well you know, <laughs> like like you said, we won't spoil it yet. But the main event it was very similar to the main event of the previous pay per view, <laughs> and that like almost. Well, we'll get into it. It's hilariously similar. Um, yeah. But yeah, Destination X um, at this point and more so kind of going forward is built around the X division. Yeah. Um, which is smart because, I mean, TNA at this point is kind of they're, – they're figuring out some things because at first they were just trying to be WWE light or mm-hmm. kind of an, an extension of WCW. But with the X division and the tag division too, those are kind of like the differentiating factors that they have that you couldn't really find in WWE or really elsewhere at the time. So I like yeah. that they kind of built this whole pay-per-view um, around the X division and the ultimate X match that happens in like the, the second – to last uh, sh- uh, match of the show, mm-hmm. um, but otherwise it didn't, it was kind of a because they put all their effort into building that match and not a lot of effort into building anything else, um, and that kind of <laughs> shows yeah, well, a little bit. 
was a little weird, wasn't it? <laughs> what? Yeah. I mean, I watched all the impacts leading up to this just to mm-hmm. kind of uh, put myself in that mindset. But I mean, really, you, you didn't miss much. You were a brave um, man. <laughs> they're actually very easy watches. I mean, they're like 40 minutes and it's always fun to kind of, it's a blast from the past a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because at the time, Impact was just one hour. Oh, that that's that, that was amazing mm. time. You, you didn't have to sit through like a three hour row like we did today. Oh, man. Well, some people did. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, even back then, because back then, like in 2005, it was still pretty new to, uh, I don't even know if they were on Spike at this point, but they're, they're, no, they're on some so. channel. They, they had just gotten to the Impact Zone maybe like a few months before this. So Impacts were kind of formatted like like mid-90s Rawls were, or like mid-90s wrestling in general. It was just a mm-hmm. lot of squash matches and uh, vignettes. So it's not really like must-see TV. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but I guess it does. It's, it, it accomplishes its goal in building up matches for the pay per view, which it's debatable whether that not that's a good uh, formula to have. But um, but yeah. yeah. So th- this show here, like I said, like the past few pay per views have been pretty good. Like really good X division stuff, really good tag division stuff. Um, it seemed like they were kind of making some strides um, as far as like what their identity is. But this show. <laughs> Like I, I I love TNA. Like I feel like TNA mm-hmm. gets shit on way more than it deserves to. Oh, yeah. Um I think they I think they put out a lot of good content over the years and are still are. Um but this show in particular is there's <laughs> man, there's not a lot of positive on this show, but we might as well just get right into it. So Yeah. Opening match, eight man tag team match. We have Team Canada, which is a team comprised of uh PD Williams, Bobby Roode, um mm. Oh my God! Who's the third guy? Uh, this guy, Alistair Ralph. Yeah, uh, it was this. Uh, um, this guy, A One. Yes. And oh, uh, Eric, Eric Eric Young is the one I'm th- is the one I'm forgetting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Eric uh, Young, Eric Young, of course. Right. So it's gonna be those three plus Johnny Devine, but Johnny Devine, I guess, injured his MCL yeah. previous to this match, so they subbed him out with Alistair Ralphs, who went on to become, like you said, A One, mm-hmm. and. I didn't know this guy at all when he kind of showed up on my screen and it didn't feel like they were really putting forth any effort to explain who he was. No. Did you, did you get that? No, not not at all. And uh, if I'm correct, uh, is he the one who actually briefly after that left Team Canada and was uh, um, replaced with P.T. Williams, I think? I think, I think well, Petey Williams is there now. Yeah, I, is so. there? Okay. I, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, yeah, yeah. It was there? But it was it wasn't official in the match. Was he not? Or not? Oh my god! It was it was now, Eric Young. I'm, I'm having, <laughs> sorry, I'm I'm having uh, I'm having trouble remembering that. that and no. and I I actually saw this match two days ago. So that, that does. A lot. No. I watched it yesterday, and I yeah. literally forgot Eric Young was in this match. So you're not—that <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. says more about this match and how like random and who gives a fuck yeah. it was, honestly. Um, but whatever the case, you have team. You have a bunch of Canadians. Mm-hmm. Short story. Yeah. Long story short. Yeah. Versus the team of Conan, BG James, aka Road Dog, yeah. and AMW. And so a lot of talent, honestly, in this match. Um, but definitely just kind of a uh, felt kind of like a filler match just kind of a match to get the crowd going although i don't know if maybe this is just me but the crowd seemed pretty dead from the start of the show hmm. yeah 
Because even like when Road Dog is doing his whole thing, he's he's doing the New Age Outlaw thing, but kind of remixing it to <laughs> change it to uh whatever they are, the, the three life yeah, crew. Yeah, three life crew. Yeah, which the was crowd is just uh, not which going I, with I totally I totally forgot about three life crew uh, before before rewatching it, and the three yeah. life crew was made of uh, himself, Conan, and uh, Ron Killings, which we know yep. today as Artrude. Yes, sir. Yeah, it was uh, kind of a... Imagine a weirder trio, if you can. <laughs> Wait, were you a fan of um, Road Dog and Kate Quick and WWF? Nope. No, uh, well, I actually, I didn't have the chance to, to even to even see them at the time. But uh, oh, that's why. I, I uh, yeah, the first time I saw Road Dog actually was, was through TNA because it was doing a little bit later than that. It was doing with, uh, with Billy Gunn. It was doing the, the mm-hmm. Voodoo Key Mafia. Which yes. is the, you know the the VKM the initials uh-huh. of Vincent very Kennedy subtle. McMahon very subtle <laughs> very subtle and they sort of try to invade role just like the DX did uh, with Nitro or so that weird time but anyway <laughs> and, uh-huh, and, <laughs> anyway um, no I actually never liked him I didn't know uh, anything about him prior to his time in TNA. And, oh, yeah. and to this day, I, I don't like him, even because of his, uh, uh, let's say, peculiar political views that he right. disclosed on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that aside, I, I think his, his, his peak was definitely in WWF in the late 90s with uh, mm-hmm. with Billy Gunn. Yeah, and if you didn't see that, you're definitely not going <laughs> to. It's just a guy in shorts <laughs> with some dad-looking dude yeah. with with a jersey. So you're not going to really... Even even when he was in WWF, I mean, it just was with the times. I mean, he was they were super over. Um, he was really good on the mic, and uh, I mean, outside of that, you know, he didn't have that much depth to him. No, um, past what he's doing here, so I, I can kind of get that to an extent. But we have an eight man tag here, and uh, like I said, I mean, it's an opening match. It wasn't designed to be a huge, long story driven match, and um, honestly, the match was a. Uh, pretty pretty fun it was pretty fast paced yeah um it felt quick but it felt like a sprint of a match which for an opening match with all these guys in it i feel like that was the the right way to go yeah uh it had its moments and uh i was pretty impressed with conan as well because yes i i um, uh, during that time in tna conan uh, was mostly used uh, uh as a as a manager basically for lax or mm-hmm. something like that, or or on screen personality, he rarely got physical physically involved, right. and uh, and in this match, Conan can fucking go, man. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I was really impressed. I was actually really impressed about him. That, that's funny because I made the exact same note because they take Conan got the hot tag. And he's just he's doing like somersaults in the clotheslines. He's yeah. slamming people all over the place. And like you said, in a matter of a few years, he's just a manager. Yeah. Even in like Lucha Underground, I think he's like, he just looks so much older. He's like walking with a cane. Yeah. It's crazy. This is 2005. So it's like, I did not expect him to be as mobile as he was yeah, at, at this stage. Me neither, actually. Uh, when did he retire? Uh, Fuck it. Is he even officially retired? I feel like he'd still get in the ring. <laughs> yeah, pro- probably, probably he still does something in Mexico. Yeah, I feel like he's a guy that'll do like one-off matches every now and then. Yeah, um, like a, a Ric Flair type. Yeah, or he's like a, like an Undertaker. He has to train all year for yeah. one match kind of deal. Um, 
but yeah, the match comes to an end when uh, Scott Demore, who's the uh, the manager slash coach of, of Team, Team Canada. Canada, he uh, climbs to the top rope to distract Conan, but Conan throws him off. And uh, as he's distracted by Scott Demore and all that shit, Bobby Roode mm-hmm. hits him with a Northern Lariat in the back of the head for the yeah. win. Team Canada I miss, wins. I miss Bobby Roode's Northern Lariat. I love that that move as a finisher because it was yeah. basically for 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 the ones who don't know about it, it was basically a clothesline. But uh, you you have to hit your opponent in the back of, of their neck. Basically, mm-hmm. that's that's the main difference from a regular clothesline. But I don't know. There was something about about the way he executed that move that was so cool to me. And yeah. uh, uh, when he when he joined uh, WWE in like 2015, 16, I don't remember. Well, a few years ago, um, and he started using the 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 glorious DDT, the DDT, the the move that uh, yeah. he still does now. I. I never enjoyed that move as a finisher. I didn't either. I can tell you, I think the only reason that he started doing it was he could do the glorious taunt while he was doing it. Yeah. I think that's, that was literally the mindset. Yeah, start to probably. Finish. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, I missed uh, uh, this era of Bobby Roode when he did this. Uh, this I don't finisher. like his hair. His hair stinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't like his hair now because uh, I, I, will, I was used to 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 look at him that way with this long hair, long greasy right. hair, very noodly. Yeah, very ramen noodly. <laughs> yeah, very much. <laughs> Not good. Um, but yeah, the Northern Larry. I mean, is perfect because Canada, Northern, all yeah, that shit. Of course. Um, but yeah, really good match here. I think uh, set the tone for the show. And then, uh, yeah, keeps Team Canada strong. So, but yeah. so this next, I, I mean, I'm not gonna go like over every single like segment that happened in this show, but like this stuff with Tracy, Trinity, Johnny Dusty. Fairplay, Dusty Rhodes. Man, I've been they've they've had this shit on every impact. They had they've had it on every <laughs> pay per view that I've watched in 2004, 2005. I, I can't even pretend to care about this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, and. Uh, this was so much a sign of the of the time. It's mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Know, it's something that probably will never fly in today's wrestling. Uh, not not only because it it was in a way gross, I would say, but uh, many ways. Yeah, many ways. But it, it's simply uninteresting. I mean, to see it's, it. Yeah. Yeah, to see those those two ladies fight for the attention of a fat old right. man. Uh, no yeah. disrespect to Dusty, but uh, it, it was no, you're re- not wrong. really gross. It, it was a really gross looking stuff. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things at play here. First of all, there's no women's division at this point. Nope. And we all know, you know, TNA would, you know, be far ahead of WWE as far as the women's revolution yeah. within a couple of years. But at oh, this yeah. point, man, I think they only had Tracy and Trinity at this point, And they yeah, can't just face much. each other every night, you know. So I guess, I guess it's a way to keep them on screen and their characters present to the viewer. Mm-hmm. But and but not in a wrestling way. So what do they do? Just make them a secretary because women. I <laughs> yeah, guess. <laughs> because that's that's all they can do, right? <laughs> Apparently. Yeah. And like you said, so Dusty Rhodes is there, who's the director of authority, and both the women are trying to fight to be his assistant. Uh-huh. And we have a match later that involves that. But then they also have Johnny Fairplay getting involved. Have you ever watched Survivor? Oh, uh, you mean the reality show? Yes. Uh, 
No, but just uh, just one one version in Italy we had uh, many years ago, but I never never followed reality TV at all. <laughs> so Italian Survivor just makes me laugh for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, just, he's he's he was at least I guess at the time pretty popular in like pop culture in America. So just another kind of trying to get some mainstream attention. So just another again a way to force him into the fold in some way okay. to get some mainstream attention of some sort. But yeah, just it all felt flat to me. Yeah, TNA TNA always did the, the worst imaginable thing to, to grab mainstream attention in their history. Right. Like, like when they had the uh, the NFL player, I can't recall his name at the moment. Pac-Man uh, Jones. Pac-Man Jones, yeah, yeah, Pac-Man Jones. Yeah, that, that was he, he couldn't get hit, so he, he yeah. would wrestle in matches, but he, he wouldn't do anything <laughs> because and, he's at a tag team of truth. And he is a former tag team champion. Never once got a, never once took a bump, never once got in the <laughs> ring. I think, if I remember correctly, didn't he like throw a stack of money at somebody to distract them, and that's yeah. how they won it? Yeah. Something along those lines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you look in that perspective, he might, he might have had the best wrestling career ever. Never took a bump, was a champion. It was so. efficient, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And what do we have after that? So, we have a pretty random match. We have Chris Sabin versus Chase Stevens of yeah. the uh, the Naturals tag team. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is kind of the point where uh, they get linked up with Chris Candido, who's yeah. kind of their manager at this point, although Candido still wrestles at this, at this point. Um, yeah. So I guess they're really building up the naturals here. And I guess it's just a, a method in getting them on screen. And uh, they also had Chris Saban, who didn't have a match. So it's like, hey, let's throw these guys out there and see what happens. So right. this match kind of fell to me. First of all, I didn't recall at all the the lame-ass team that Chris Saban had. I was, team? Yeah, uh, the, the music. Uh, his oh, entrance yeah. team. <laughs> uh, Hail Saban! I didn't recall it at all. Oh my god, that was atrocious. It was pretty uh, bad, yeah. And uh, and uh, you have, you have to sorry if I if I go for a tangent here, but uh, every time I see this era of Chris Sabin, I'm always reminded that for some reasons the Italian commentators of of the TNA always said that uh, he had inspiration for his wrestling move set. Uh, coming from uh, Dragon Ball, which is Dragon Ball, s- yeah, Dragon Ball, which is something that never, never sounded true to me, and it uh-huh. never actually did anything even remotely resembling Dragon Ball. And uh, for all of these years, now fifteen years, I've been thinking, but were they referring <laughs> secretly to Kenny Omega, but they mistaken him for... Uh, because Kenny Omega at the time... Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was literally, when you, it, when you said Dragon Ball, I was like, Kenny Omega does it, not Chris yeah, Saban. Yeah, but I don't know if Kenny Omega already did that shit in 2005. I have no idea. Because he's still pretty new. I don't know if he's in ROH at, the, at this point, because I know that's when I first saw him. It's possible. He's probably doing something somewhere. I have no idea. I and well, basically, for all these years, I always thought that the Italian commentators uh, thought that Chris Sabin was Kenny Omega. Basically, <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. That's because because I've never even once seen Chris Sabin do anything remotely recalling Dragon Ball. And, well, uh, I mean, and I've never seen I've never seen Chris Sabin and Kenny Omega in the same room. Have you? 
No, no. So yeah. maybe they're the same person. Yeah, we, we don't have uh, we don't have uh, a proof about it. But yeah. uh, if I if I will ever, I'm gonna put this out in the universe right now. If I'll ever interview Chris Sabin, I'll ask him about it. <laughs> <laughs> Are you Kenny Omega? Because uh, no, uh, did you use Dragon Ball oh, stuff yeah. <laughs> in your arsenal? It's probably a smarter question. Yeah, <laughs> you put that that's why that's why you're the interview expert, not me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, sorry, sorry if I derailed the uh, the discussion no. on, on the match, but the match De- derailed the match. me all the time. Uh, the match was was kind of a uh, man. I don't know. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the main takeaway that I have about it is the the kind of botchy finish that uh, that I, I feel like they had uh, this. I, I don't know. Something was a little bit clunky to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Probably they didn't click uh, so much. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Uh, it, it's. It's always amazing to to think that basically uh, you 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 talked about Chris Candido. Chris Candido will die literally a month and a half after this this paper. Was it that soon after? I didn't know. Yeah. I knew at some point he did because he wasn't the story that he like broke his leg. Yeah, but then broke, in the surgery there yeah. were some complications. He had a blood clot, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, yeah, he, he broke his leg in a match in a cage match at the at the lockdown pay per view, which was the uh-huh. one month after That's the next pay per view. Yeah. And uh, in that match, there was also Lance Hoyt, nowadays Lance Archer. And, yes. uh, and uh, basically, but, and I, I saw this, that match recently, and uh, it didn't even look... I mean, you could tell he was hurt, but it didn't look that bad to need surgery yeah. or something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, truly, it's a truly sad thing that uh, he was... Yeah. Basically, he could still go. He was... Um, probably transitioning into a more managerial role or something like that on mm-hmm. screen, but uh, it, it could still wrestle. And that's that made me so sad. Yeah, for something so minor to have such a, a tragic effect is really, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. And uh, uh, if I can just jump at what happened after the match. Dude, that this was my first huge laugh <laughs> of the show. I I howled when I saw this, but you, you can run through it if you want. Uh, well, uh, basically, long story short, uh, uh, after the match, there was a sort of a beatdown on uh, Chris Sabin, and mm-hmm. uh, a, a masked man came to the rescue. And uh, when that man unmasked himself, he was shocker. And uh, everybody in the world said, who the fuck is Shocker? <laughs> because the commentators played it like like it was some sort of big deal. I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, it, Man, Don West, Don West can watch me folding my laundry and he'd make it seem like it was a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, the Shocker. Can you oh, my it? God. <laughs> well, I, I have written in my notes here, all in capital letters, the actual fuck about shocker <laughs> and three uh, question marks. <laughs> it was, I mean, I was, I, cause he said, they said, they said he was, and I quote shocker from the McDonald's commercials. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not even shocker. Cause apparently he's pretty big in CMLL. Yeah. Yeah. And I said that because he did like a pretty good like tope, tope over the top rope and he seemed like he was pretty competent in the ring. So he's clearly a wrestler, but then he yeah. takes his mask off and I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> and then it's just like, and then he takes his mask off and I'm still like, who the fuck is this? So it's like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess I don't even think he's stuck with TNA for a long time. 
Um, I I, I, th- I think you was there like for a month and a half or something. Like yeah, that. there was <laughs> a lot of that going on at this time. A lot of people have <laughs> a revolving door in TNA. Yeah, yeah, and um, that's 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 a problem that they had to these days, if you ask me. Because uh, even even now, that impact is uh, like uh, creating really good shows, really solid shows. Um, the the main the main problem is that their roster changes every time. And you yep. you literally you literally have not so much time to get into a character than mm-hmm. that immediately gets taken away. Exactly, and you know, there was a period where they did kind of maintain their talent, maybe like oh eight through like twelve somewhere in there. Yeah, but yeah, just like you said, like that's kind of what's kept me from watching Impact in the past like five, six, seven years. Is that you know all your but you'll put all they'll put all this investment time all these matches into these big players that they have, but then they'll just unceremoniously get released <laughs> just because <laughs> they feel like it. Like I think it happened with EC3. Um, like they built up who else? Like Austin Aries. Like they put oh, so yeah. much effort into him. He won the world title, main eventing bound for glory. And then he just leaves uh, you know, John, Johnny impact. All, like there's a list of guys that we can yeah, run through. And, that, and that's kind of the problem that they had. And even even now they say that probably with with Taya it's the same thing. She she is rumored to mm-hmm. go away from Impact. Oh, moment. she's been there for a while, hasn't she? Yeah, yeah. So I, I, think, I think they got uh, their money's worth with her. Yeah, I think a good four to five years she's been there now. Yeah, yeah, holding down the division over there. But you say that was an issue that TNA had. Well, I have one more because this next yeah. match, <laughs> bull rope match, oh. Raven versus Dustin Rhodes. Now, as far, yeah. So this is like, okay, Raven, Dustin Rhodes. Obviously, even in two thousand five, big names. <laughs> like they're they're names that people can associate with wrestling in the past. Yeah, that's the reason they're in this on the show, not because of their skill. No, not because they're over, because of their names. Yeah, and even like Raven and Dustin, they clearly don't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> like them, and you have guys like kevin nash and like when scott scott hall came in for a bit um all these like like they had like jimmy snooker and roddy piper they're, they're getting all these names yeah. but the fact that they're so clearly apathetic towards everything kind of almost does more harm than good i think yeah they, they wanted a paycheck and that's it uh yeah. well f- First of all, uh, this match, according to Wikipedia, this match lasted six minutes and ten seconds, and uh-huh. it, it probably was a good three to four minutes longer than than, than <laughs> what than what it should have been. Yeah. Uh, I never liked Raven. I'm sorry. Uh, I I came into wrestling past his prime. I never never saw him mm-hmm. in uh, ECW. Uh, well, not not as it, as it happened live, of course. And right. uh, or in WWF, I don't like the the concept of the Texas Bull Rock match or 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 a strap match or th- this kind of matches are always the one that uh, that bore me to death. It's it's really really uh, to, at least to me, it's it's really difficult mm-hmm. to 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 get me interested in this kind of matches. Mm-hmm. And uh, plus, Dustin Rhodes looks way better now than he did 15 years ago, and. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah this isn't even his rock bottom yet we're still a few years no, away from that no 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 but yeah it's a pretty shitty match uh, and uh yeah but i have i have just one positive takeaway about this match 
Let me hear it. I don't know. I don't know if you know this, but uh, during a sequence of the match, we had uh, uh, a ring post camera shooting the match, and uh, uh-huh. it, I never saw that before. And I, I have written in my notes: Did TNA invent the ring post camera? <laughs> that's because, very possible. Because that's the one, the only one shot throughout the whole pay-per-view that they used the ring post camera. They just weren't confident. They weren't confident in it. Like, oh, we'll just try it. No one's watching this match anyways. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and well, they picked the best match to do that. And uh, yeah. and it's something that I, I didn't see happening even in WWE before like 2012 or something like that. So Yeah, very recently. Yeah. So seven years before that, TNA was using the ring post cameras. I, I, I have no memory of that. No recollection whatsoever. But uh, I uh, I like that. <laughs> I like this, this yeah. stylistic choice. <laughs> I mean, but really, how much value does a ring post camera give you? <laughs> in a match in a match with Raven versus Dustin Rhodes well <laughs> yeah, as little as li- limit the amount of stuff you can see <laughs> when these guys are wrestling <laughs> yeah but yeah I mean these guys had a match at the previous TNA pay-per-view and I'll say that that match was much worse so maybe I was kind of yeah. grading this match at a scale as I was watching it <laughs> um so it, they, I mean it couldn't get worse than that so it was fine but like you said I wasn't very interested in it and man, I don't know how closely you follow my episodes, but I've been watching way too many fucking bull rope matches lately. Because <laughs> um, AEW had a bunkhouse match, which is yeah. basically a bull rope match without the actual. I mean, there's always bull ropes in bunkhouse matches. Yeah. Uh, I did a Ring of Honor 2002 episode that had a bunkhouse match. I did a WCW 94 episode that had a bunkhouse match and a bull rope match. It's like, man, I'm sick of bull ropes. <laughs> Enough of the bull ropes. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, as far as like this, this style of match, because you said you didn't really enjoy these like strap tying yeah. to time together matches. And I kind of agree with that. The only match that I remember enjoying was it's kind of an obscure one. Mm-hmm. Judgment Day 2001, yeah. Kane versus Triple H. It was a cool. chain match, but it's the same thing, basically. I never saw it. You should go check it out. It was like one of, I think it was actually Triple H's last match before he got injured. Um, yeah. it's like it's on a really who gives a fuck pay-per-view but that's like the only match I can think about with this style of gimmick <laughs> that I enjoyed yeah um, I think I think um, a few years ago WWE had like Sheamus and uh, I I'm not sure who was against it possibly Mark Henry I don't know it was, mm. it was it was a match that on paper should have been really much worse than how it turned out to be. Yeah. I, I remember enjoying that match and I said, well, you see, that's a, that's a bull rock match I, I, I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, yeah, it was a, sh- I remember that the Sheamus was involved. Yeah. Um, but this match was not as good as that. Um, yeah. It was fairly quick, but like you said, it could have been quicker. Yeah. Um, so they get tied together at the beginning of the match. This is like the one note I made because it was so silly. They get tied together by the yeah. bull rope and immediately raven goes to the outside like why <laughs> for you're fucking tied to a rope that's the premise of the match so dustin just yanks him and raven hits the truss that's like on the corner of the ring it's yeah. like duh um <laughs> but <laughs> the finish comes i actually kind of like the finish a little bit i don't know it's kind of silly um so raven raven grabs a chair yeah uh but dustin doesn't see it he's, he's got his back to him dustin pulls on the rope to pull raven in Raven pulls the chair up to his face to block Dustin's punch. Um, but then, man, I actually, you know, now I'm thinking about it, did he like 
did Dustin get hurt from that or did Raven? Do you remember? Uh, I, I, rem- I remember that they did this spot two times in the finish yeah. sequences. And the first time they miss Raven missed the chair by, I don't know, two yards or something. That sounds like about that. right. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> uh, and so they, they did it again uh, to finish the match. Yeah, but then the finish comes when uh, they someone sets up the chair and then Dustin bulldogs Raven onto it yeah. and gets the pinfall there. Yeah. And then uh, so Dustin wins, but who cares, really? There was no real stakes to it. <laughs> no, no. no reason to care about who won or lost. Um, no, but <laughs> also, after the match, for some reason, Team yeah. Canada sprints out there <laughs> and to attack Dustin because he's a baby face in their heels, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> but then AMW AMW follows right behind and runs Team Canada off. I mean, it was really just nothing happened. It yeah, was because, <laughs> like because it's it's like 1988 and it's uh, America versus everybody, right? Right. Yeah, they're they're heels because foreign. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> That's some That's progressive you're, thoughts. You're you're the heel on this podcast, by the way. I know, I know, I know. Well, of course. You dirty Italian. Um, <laughs> well, we, we, we imported mafia around the world. What you want? <laughs> that, that's Very our, subtle. That's our main import. No, nobody's talking about you guys. Everybody, everybody here is mad at China, but it really should be the, the Italy. <laughs> Have you ever heard about Al Capone? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Was he, I guess he was Italian, right? Yeah. He was actually Italian. Right, like not not yeah. second generation or third generation or, or, or whatever you call nowadays Italian, like fresh uh, off the boat. Yeah, it was fresh off the boat basically, and he imported that imported mafia. So if, if, if there's one headline from this podcast, it's that <laughs> Frank established the mafia in the in America. That's, that's yeah. my clickbait title for this. Yeah, and <laughs> also, uh, do, do you want to do you want me do you want me to tell to tell you some some stories that has nothing to do with wrestling, but Absolutely. everything to do about mafia? Well, uh, uh, have you ever heard about Lucky Luciano? I don't think so, no. Well, uh, if you Google it, some, something will come up. But Lucky Luciano was uh, a mobster basically coming from Sicily. Uh, in the, in, it, was, it was in Boston, I think, based, based mm-hmm. if, if I'm correct. Uh, uh, we are in the 1920s, 1930s, uh, and he was one of the most famous mobsters in the U.S. Um, when the, the Second World War came and, uh, you know, the... The, the D-Day in Normandy, right? 1944. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, that operation started uh, with, a, with a sister military, military operation in Italy. And mm-hmm. uh, basically the American troops uh, landed in Sicily and uh, had to go all the way up to the northern part of Italy. But if you paid attention to your history classes... Uh, in uh, in Normandy, in France, that was a bloodbath. Thousands of right. people died. In Italy, they they didn't have to shoot even one single shot. Right. And you know why? Because because the Federals asked uh, for for some help to this man, Lucky Luciano, uh, because they they had to go in Sicily, which was where he came from, and they say, okay, tell your cousins, your friends, your you know, your mates to let, let us let us pass there. And he said, okay, I'll do that. And then he, he, 
he, he made uh, one ship, one one ship of the of the Marine Corps, I think, uh, mm-hmm. exploded just just outside of Boston, and they they immediately uh, recalled that uh, that he was the one who who gave the order to right. to to uh, to blow to blow the ship up. And when asked why, he said, "Well, now you know that I'm serious." So basically, <laughs> so basically, he, he gave uh, uh, to the Marines the permission to land in Sicily and to go all the way up to the northern part of Italy without a, without a scratch, basically. <laughs> so that, that was yeah. how powerful uh, at the time uh, the, the connection between the, the mobsters in, uh, in the United States and the, the motherland of Italy was right now is even stronger but you just don't know right yeah are you threatening me is no that, no, is that no the vibe i'm getting no no no, no, no. I, i'm not i'm not <laughs> that's that's how strong that, that's what can happen if you don't put me over in this podcast yeah i'll, I'll blow i'll blow up your microphone <laughs> i can use a new one anyways it's fine <laughs> oh well man so sorry for the detour guys no there's believe me that detour was better than this next match. Oh it was, man, uh, yeah, man. You're talking about destruction. Yeah. Well, we got. Oh, you wait for you ready for it? Yeah. <laughs> the disciples of destruction. Oh fuck it. Oh, <laughs> oh man, they uh, so formerly known. If you're if you were a WWF fan in the late '90s, <laughs> the disciples of apocalypse. Yeah. DOA is is essentially the same guys. Plus, I think it was uh, Brian Adams. I think was with the, them too. The Crush. singer, whoever Crush was. <laughs> you meant Summer of '69. He, he's singing Heaven, but with a leather jacket on a motorcycle. It was a very yeah. weird gimmick. It was progressive for the time. <laughs> yeah. But man, speaking of gimmicks, Phi Delta Slam. So, like, when I look at Phi Delta Slam, right? Yeah. They they look like like out of shape football players that have retired and are just like lounging in their living room. <laughs> like what? The, like I, so I guess I'll, I'll set the stage for the match. So we have team yeah. Trinity versus team Tracy team uh-huh. Trinity, which by the way, I didn't know Trinity and Tracy were different people. First of all, second oh, yeah. of all, because <laughs> they're both like similar names. Yeah, black yeah. Hair, I, was, I was surprised. Uh, I was surprised as well. Yeah. And so Team Trinity, who Trinity's the heel in this situation, I guess, and her team is Phi Delta Slam. Well, I guess so the backstory here. So we talked about how Trinity and Tracy were both talking to Dusty Rhodes backstage, and they're both fighting to become uh, Dusty's assistant for mm-hmm. whatever reason, yeah. I guess. So this match is to see who becomes that assistant. So whoever's team wins, because they couldn't just wrestle each other, they have to get the men to do all the work for them, right? Because, you know, yeah, women. And... So, so Trinity's team is Phi Delta Slam, a team comprised of Big Tilly and Bruno Sassy. And if you're like, hey, who the fuck are those guys? I'm going to be like, hey, I don't know. So, because <laughs> I, I actually Googled them and they literally, this is like what they're known for yeah. in, in, their, in the scope of their career. Um, they've, they've like done some stuff on the Indies, but for all intents and purposes, their team. I think they actually came back. Um, they were like bodyguards for the main event mafia. Yeah, yeah. Which I is think, kind of they came back a couple of times, but well. I don't think I knew at the time who they were, but now it's now the story all makes sense. Um, <laughs> so Phi Delta Slam versus the Disciples of Destruction, 
who are uh Ned's is uh, Helen's Hells Angels or something like that. Basically. Exactly, yeah. So whatever their names were in WWF, it's like kind of like them. I forget yeah. what exactly their names were here, but it really doesn't matter. Uh Don, um, Don Harris and Ron Harris. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, those are the real names, but I think they're carry there's like H bomb and Oh, okay. something else or something stupid. I didn't even know okay. it because it was so dumb. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this match here kind of just plods along. I mean, it's a bunch of big guys with not a lot of heat. There's no heat. There's negative no. heat behind this match. Oh, yeah. And both guys, the disciples are both like got to be well into their careers at this point. So they're and they were never that great to begin with. So and mm-hmm. then you have five Delta Slam. Who who the fuck are they? And who cares? And <laughs> some other big guys. They're not even like, in, they're not like in shape big. They're just big. Um, although they're like pretty athletic. They're like deceptively athletic for Oh yeah, they for are. their size. Yeah, yeah, I would say so. Um, but yeah, the match, man, this match felt like it lasted fucking forever. Oh yeah. I don't know. It felt like at least at this point, it was the longest match on the show. Yeah, and you want to know actually how long it dragged? How long? For 10 minutes and 18 seconds. It felt like 100. Yeah. I'm surprised it was only 10 minutes. Yeah, and in this case, it's, it's like 100 minutes too long, yeah. Yeah. So, and this, but this match did give me my second big laugh of the show <laughs> when um, one, of the, one of the disciples gets thrown to the outside yeah. and Trinity... Hits a moonsault, which this surprised the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. She from from the top rope to the outside hits a moonsault on yeah. one of the disciples, but he, the guy doesn't catch her. <laughs> she just lands on the floor. I mean, like she he almost catches her, but not well at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he picks her up and just throws her right into the middle guardrail. <laughs> yeah, it's like holy shit, that looked pretty stiff. Actually, I, I don't I don't think she was expecting that. Uh, no. that, that looks pretty she looked out of breath and I think she really was yeah I mean I feel like Tracy wanted or it was Trinity I might have said Tracy Trinity. before but it, yeah, they're it interchangeable Trinity. Um, Trinity does the moonsault and I feel like she wanted to wrestle um, so that's why she broke out the moonsault and she probably like made the bump look a little more harsh than maybe it was but um, mm-hmm. whatever it is I mean the match like I said it kind of just c- crawls forward um, but towards the end of the match, Big Tilly yeah. uh, hits the big splash off the top rope um, onto one of the bald guys. But the ref is distracted because why wouldn't he be? Yeah, um, of course. And then as Big Tilly gets up to like go get the ref, uh, the disciples do a little bit of twin magic. Yeah, twin magic. Ah, uh, yes. And uh, so the whoever the guy that slides in is playing possum. <laughs> and then ultimately it's it's a uh, big Tilly with a big boot for the one, two, three. So the disciples of destruction win this match. Tracy is the assistant to Dusty Rhodes, right? No. Yeah. yeah Tracy, uh, Tracy. Tra- uh, Tracy. And, yeah. Uh, but that just goes to show like I can't even I don't really associate the girls with their teams because the story has just been so shitty. The match sucked and the stakes didn't mean anything. That's a big waste of time, in my opinion. All of my notes about this match is, fuck, this is bad. And then, <laughs> and then I, I've written, Twin Magic and the Nazis win with possibly the worst big boot I've ever seen. <laughs> because it was a oddly timed with big boot, and uh, he wasn't able, uh, Don or Ron, whatever his name is, he wasn't mm-hmm. able to even lift the leg properly. So they were it, all blown it, up in this it, match too. Yeah, so 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 it just 
basically kicks uh, the feed that slam guy in, in the stomach or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that was a terrible big boot and uh, for, for the Nazi to win. <laughs> I liked your summation of the match more than mine. Nazi hits big boot, but not really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I don't even know if really anything amounts <laughs> after that. I don't know if any, either team stays or if Dusty stays even. Um, not, I don't know. Uh, no, no, nothing is really important after that. But then, then we yeah. go to, to the possibly the big, the biggest monstrosity of all of this pay-per-view. Let's do it. What's that? Johnny yeah. Fairplay? No, 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 no. Uh, sorry, I, I skipped the segment. I, <laughs> no, no, I did too. I literally walked away. I didn't even pause it from the next segment. Uh, this is... <laughs> no, yes. I meant Monty Brown versus Triton or Triton. I don't know. Triton. What you, Triton. Yeah. <sighs> what can didn't we say? like it? <laughs> what, <laughs> well, I will, I will say here, first of all, so... Man, you talk about building guys up and then doing nothing with them. Yeah. Nobody exemplifies that more than Triton. Because, <laughs> man, for weeks, if not months, they've been doing these vignettes of, oh, he's coming. It's like green lights. Yeah. <laughs> they really, they're not explaining who he is at all. It's just, oh, he's coming. He's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. That's really all his character is. So for weeks, they were doing it up until the last pay-per-view. Uh which is against all odds. And at against mm-hmm. all odds, they did a vignette that like stopped the show. The lights went out and they're like, Oh, Triton's going to debut on impact next week. And then next week comes, what does he do for his debut? Well, we have Monty Brown in the ring. The lights yeah. go out. Triton's music hits. Triton appears out of the smoke in the entrance way. Does a little pose with his hands. Yeah. And then he walks away. Guess what happened the week after that? <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> so it's literally just weeks of that. Weeks of Triton just interrupting Monty Brown, looking at him ominously. <laughs> and that's the backstory. You got y'all cut up? Yeah, and uh but we've been re- rewarded with a with a very great match. Evan Burn. <laughs> Six stars. And you know it's funny. Because at the last pay-per-view, because they brought up Triton, and I was like, who the hell is Triton? So I, I Googled him, <laughs> and he literally, like, his Wikipedia is hilarious, because after he stayed with TNA for a few months, and yeah. then he went to uh, OVW for yeah. a few months, and then apparently just fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. Because <laughs> nobody cares to follow what this guy's doing now, because, uh, maybe because of this match, honestly. Well... Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't know about the backstory that they tried to introduce him for a couple of weeks, but uh, I was just super pumped for Monty Brown because I'm, I'm a Monty Brown oh, yeah. mark, the king Absolutely, of the Serengeti. Too. He's and, the best. And uh, I was so fucking pumped. And uh, this match got me unpumped. I don't know if that's a word. <laughs> but <laughs> deflated you. Deflated. Yeah. Yeah. Unpumped. Sounded. Uh, funnier Um, (laughs) i I like to make up words and uh basically uh yeah the the instant i saw this triton i bursted out laughing because he has uh, for for our listeners who have never seen this guy he is like probably close to seven foot tall 
Mm-hmm. He, uh, he has this monster steroid look. Yeah. But, but I was distracted by, by his incredibly small head. Did you notice <laughs> that? Dude, I was trying to put my finger on what was wrong with his body, but you, you just nailed it. Did you notice that? That's what it was. Fuck. That's what it was. That was that was so disproportioned. He had like a child head on, on this monster body. Dude, he was like he's like when God was making a person and he was just using like all the spare parts that he had and he was just like putting people together like wrong pieces. Like the the head did not match his body at all. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so basically, uh, I can I can tell you nothing about this match because I was distracted by this thing, by this, <laughs> by, by this small head. Uh, I was distracted by his shitty facial hair, his but, little chin, yeah, deal, yeah, as well, chin strap. Yeah, that that look out of place as well because he had his his child yeah, child like head, so uh, you, right. you don't want to see facial hair on child, and. Yeah. Uh, and then in the end, like he did some some Undertaker like trick when uh, the lights went out, and right. basically Monty Brown was facing a masked man, and right. the I, second I'm, masked man of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the second the second one. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm not sure why Monty Brown decided to uh, pounce this guy and cover him and. I'm not sure why the referee even counted the pin, but who, who was the who was it this was... guy? Why why the fuck the referee counted? <laughs> yeah, huh? I mean, just to expand on like what you just said, because that is, I mean, really, I mean, it was all just a bunch of silliness. And because, like I said, when I looked up Triton and nothing, he amounted to nothing. I was like, man, they're putting so much effort into building this guy. Like, how bad could this match be to where <laughs> they just gave up on him? Yeah. So I went into this match. This is honestly my most like. The, the match I was most eager to see on this card because I was so interested to see because I'd, I'd never watched Triton before. I didn't know what it looked like or anything. So I was like, why did he become such a failure? And I got my answer within the first minute because like you said, his tiny ass head. Yeah. I mean, this dude looks like a nerd that just happens to be tall. Yeah. Like he, he's not... Look, I mean, he could probably kick my ass. He's seven foot tall, but he, he doesn't look intimidating to me. It doesn't come through the screen that he's a scary guy. No, not at all. And like within the first minute of the match, Triton goes for like a military press on Monty Brown and it almost drops him on his fucking head. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> At that point, I was like, oh, God, I think he was kind of rattled from that point on because nothing really interesting happened after that until Monty Brown started making his comeback because all of his on- offense was entertaining as hell. Because like you said, yeah. Monty Brown is he's the best they got at this point for sure. Um, yeah. And trust me, we're not done talking about Monty Brown. We're going to talk about him a lot at the end. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like you said, no the lights go out. Yeah. <laughs> so the lights go out and we get the second masked man of the of the night. He never takes his mask off. We don't know who he is. Um, so lights go off. Lights come back on. The mask guy's there. Triton's gone. Monty Brown's still there, though. So what does Monty Brown do? Because he's from the Serengeti or whatever. Well, he's just going to attack whoever's <laughs> in front of him, I guess. Give him the pounce. Yeah, probably. And I guess because he can't pounce somebody and not pin him. So he pins him. <laughs> and the ref's like, well, I guess. So he counts the one, two, three for whatever reason. I guess this guy's <laughs> taking too many ref bumps. Yeah. <laughs> the ref, uh, ref was kind of looking like, okay, whatever. Yeah. And then so Monty, I guess, gets the win here. Um, I don't even know if his storyline continues after this. 
But yeah, like you said, Triton kind of appears at the top of the entrance way. Like once again, doing a stupid little hand gesture <laughs> in the in the smoke, and he just kind of saunters away. Like he's, he knows the match wasn't good, so it's funny watching him try to be intimidating, but then yeah. kind of just walk away. Like, oh man. And do you do you know who the mask who the mask guy was? I don't. Do you? It it, it, it seems like that he was Midian. <laughs> But, but but the old thing was never addressed again on impact so man i so we'll never know we'll never know that's the question everybody's been waiting for for a decade and a half yeah the dirt shit said says that it was midian man what could have been we could have gotten midian in tna that's what really would have sent them to the moon i think yeah well <laughs> Yeah, but it, it made no sense. I don't want to spoil the, the end of the pay-per-view, but if you consider yes. what happens at the end, it makes no sense to have two guys right. going after Monty Brown. Well, I'm, I'm, anyway. glad, I'm glad you brought that up because, yeah, put a pin in that, everybody. Yeah. Monty Brown, Triton, Midian. Yeah. Put a pin in it. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> now we have... Uh, so DDP is doing a promo here while doing yoga. Yeah, it's, it's basically a DDP yoga commercial. His whole presence in TNA, I feel like, is just an infomercial for DDP Yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's like really the incentive of him being there. Yeah. Um, what did you think of DDP, just like in general? Because I was never like a huge fan of him personally. Oh, uh, I, I, I had... Uh, I've never I guess had... you, you didn't watch in the late 90s, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have the chance to see him at, at the time when he was... I, I didn't watch him... Speak. I remember, yeah, I remember, here. I remember seeing him a couple of times in TNA uh, back in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, mm-hmm. uh, and it always felt flat to me because at the time you had uh, Legend Killer Orton doing the same moves in a very much in right. more interesting yeah. ways. This is so, around the time he brought it brought it to the forefront, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so to me, it was like, man, for uh, probably I like him more now than what uh, than than what I liked about yeah. him at the time. Oh, I do DDP yoga at least once a week. So I love I love my boy Dally. I'm, yeah. I'm not trying to shit on Dallas Page, <laughs> but yeah, as far as like, because I never I never watched him in his peak either. So I probably have a warped view of it as well. Yeah. Um, and I've really mostly, as far as wrestling goes, the main thing I associate with him is cucking Undertaker's wife. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, it is yeah. what it is. Maybe it's, maybe it's, not, it's unfair. It's not a great legacy. Not the best, no. No. Nope. Um, but yeah, this is just another example because we were talking about Raven and Dustin Rhodes earlier about how older the old guys are just showing up. You know, TNA is trying to get some name value. Yeah. And, but the guys don't really care. And that's just another example with yeah, uh, DDP yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. But the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And, uh, we have some some of that best right here. We have Jeff Hardy versus Abyss. Yeah. In a final assault match. Now, if you're asking, hey, what's a final assault match? It's just an overly complicated way to describe a hardcore match. Yeah, a full count anywhere, I would say, as yep. well. Uh, yeah. yeah. Essentially. This this match was the first match of the of the evening that uh, I had some memories of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember distinctly um, Jeff Hardy in, uh, doing the senton from that X structure. I, I don't know how to call it. Yeah. Um, because that 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 clip w- was used a lot in TNA at the time. Right. Well, there's another clip where Jeff Hardy is jumps like off the the stage 
like onto the floor, yeah, like by the entranceway. And that's what I think about when I think of Jeff Hardy and Abyss and like those crazy swantons in TNA. Yeah, and I, that's what I didn't know if it was this match or if it's a match like down the road. I guess it's a match down the road. Um, but yeah, like you said, a hardcore match. They immediately fight to the back. And like you said, mm-hmm. there's like a, a random like truss, I guess. It's like mm-hmm. in the shape of an yeah. X against the wall. Um, Jeff Hardy sets up Abyss on the table. And Jeff climbs this truss, which is, has to be at least like 10, 15 feet off the air. Yeah. Um, Swanton through the table onto the concrete. That was a, It was a pretty cool spot. And I'm surprised I haven't seen that more. I guess the, the next one he does is a little bit more spectacular. So maybe that's why. Yeah, but that, that, that was a that was a really good spot. That uh, I remember yeah. they used it uh, a few times. For sure. Yep. And then uh, they fight back to the ring. Eventually, um, some pretty cool spots. I mean, this I actually enjoyed this match uh, quite a bit for what it was. Yeah. I feel like uh, both these guys are like they they're in their element in this match, and I kind of like that they're working together. It feels mm-hmm. like it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, a lot of chair spots, chairs, ladders, tables. It might as well be a TLC match. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, Jeff brings out a ladder at some point, and he does that uh, the hop over the ladder leg yeah. drop yeah, spot, ju- which I've always loved for some reason. The jumping guillotine. And, uh, yeah, I don't want to think about the state of Jeff Hardy's butt after that. Right. Yes. it's That looked brutal. He's, he's still wrestling today. Still walking today. Yeah. Nothing else. I mean, it's crazy that all this shit he put his body through. Yeah. Um. Even like, man, Abyss hits the the shock treatment in this match, and that mm-hmm. move always looks brutal. You know, what I'm talking about the uh, like torture rack when he like sits down. Yeah. Is is brutal. Um. Yeah. Lots of chairs. Lots of ladders. Um. At some point in this match. Abyss goes to the outside and he takes like five years to grab a table <laughs> from under the ring. It felt like for because he's he goes like because there's six sides to the ring, so he has to go to like three different <laughs> sides to find it. And he finds the table, but it's like caught on something, so he takes forever to like jostle that loose. Mm-hmm. Then throws it in the ring, sets up the table, puts Jeff Hardy in it on it. I think yeah, isn't that what happens? Or yeah, because he's going to go through for a for a splash off the second rope through the table onto Jeff Hardy, but Jeff Hardy gets up, fights him off. Um, Jeff Hardy goes for a top rope Frankensteiner to try to put Abyss through this table, but Abyss counters into a brutal looking power bomb. Mm, yeah. I don't know if you noticed that, but he almost like hit his head on the ladder, which, you know, given yeah. what happened on raw a few weeks ago, I guess he's used <laughs> to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Abyss tries to, Choke slam Jeff Hardy onto the ladder because every tall masked man has to do a choke slam apparently. <laughs> and, but Jeff Hardy counters and hits the twist of fate onto the ladder, kind of, mm-hmm. uh, f- f- for the win. So Jeff Hardy wins. Um, but after the match, Abyss attacks Jeff Hardy, mm-hmm. goes back under the ring, gets a bag, a mysterious black bag, whatever could be in there. Yeah, I have no idea what what, no what idea. could they bring out of the ring. And can I tell you, obviously there's thumbtacks in there, but yeah. the, the way Abyss like laid them out on the mat was the most aesthetically pleasing way I've ever seen <laughs> thumbs, yeah. thumbtacks. You know, like how smooth and like concrete it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. But yeah, so and Abyss hits the black hole slam onto Jeff Hardy through the t- or onto the tax, which is surprising because usually whoever sets up the tax takes the bump onto yeah. it. But uh, so yeah, good fun little spot after the match. 
some uh, fun spots during the match. And I think that as far as, at least at this point in the show, I think it was the best match of the night. Yeah, this, at this point, it was the the only match that uh, I, I can say I truly enjoyed uh, some yeah. bits of it. Um, I, I think that the tax spot was uh, unnecessary at the, at the end because I get that Abyss had to, to get his seat back after being right. defeated. I get that. But uh, at the time, he was using the Tamtex basically every fucking match. I think I think I think yep. Jim Cornette uh, uh, said to to him that he didn't need to use it every time. Uh, so yeah, that that took me a little a little bit away uh, after it. Mm-hmm. But oh boy, uh, uh, we are lucky because uh, the next match was a ton of fun, wasn't it? It was just as brutal, just <laughs> as vicious. For us, yeah. <laughs> this is this is us taking the bump by watching yeah. this match. Yeah, I, I would have preferred to to take Jeff Hardy's bump on the thumbtacks. <laughs> so you'd rather take a bump on the thumbtacks than watch uh, Billy Gunn wrestle in two thousand five? Yeah, Billy I'm Gunn sorry, and Kevin, Nash. not Billy Gunn. Billy Gunn isn't here. Billy Gunn isn't here. Yeah, it's the outlaw. outlaw. Yeah, <laughs> man, this is like. So the match is a taped fist first blood match. I don't, is taped fist a thing that existed like back in the day? Oh. As like as a match type, I, I it flew over my head. I don't know what the like what the the purpose of it is. I guess maybe you bleed easier if you get hit with taped fists. I have no idea. Maybe I have oh, no man. idea. They're putting so much emphasis on that <laughs> for whatever reason. Just call it a fucking first blood match, please. Yeah, because um, that's what it was and. So the backstory, because it's very important, everybody, the very layered backstory here. So Kevin Nash, the last pay-per-view had Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash, which I can't even say that without laughing. And (laughs) so in that match, the outlaw, who at the time they were calling the new age outlaw, but I guess it was, I don't know if there was like a cease and desist shoot or if... Yeah, probably the legals in Stanford weren't exactly okay with that. It's like when Big Boss Man went to WCW and they called him the boss. The boss. But then yeah. <laughs> WWF was like, no, that's too close. So they called him the guardian angel after that. So yeah. I, I don't know. Maybe if that's something that happened here, I didn't really care enough to research it. Um, <laughs> but the backstory. So Jeff Jarrett and Kevin Nash main eventing the last pay-per-view. The outlaw makes his debut there to help Jeff Jarrett. Why? Yeah. Who the fuck knows? I, I guess... So the commentary is kind of putting him over as like a uh, an insurance policy for Jeff Jarrett. So I yeah. guess Jarrett's is paying him. <laughs> I guess that's the extent of the storytelling there. And then Kevin Nash and Jeff Jarrett have been at, at odds. Uh, they were in a faction together. Um, but they, like I said, they were put together facing each other at the last pay-per-view. So now there's bad blood there. Um, so And Nash is upset that uh, the outlaw cost him the match. Mm-hmm. At the last pay-per-view, so that's kind of what set up this match here. Um, so, like I said, first blood match. And uh, right away, Billy Gunn goes under the ring, pulls out a screwdriver. Yeah. A screwdriver, everybody. And then, what's he going to do with it? Well, he's going to stab Kevin Nash in the face with it. Because uh, wrestling. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so... He at least tries to stab him in the face with it, but Kevin Nash fights fights it off. The old old school, like, oh, he's pushing him down, but they're like fighting against each other. Um, <laughs> that whole deal. And then Billy Gunn ends up hitting Nash with a steel chair in the face. 
but doesn't bust open Nash yet. Um, so Billy then takes off the turnbuckle pad to expose the steel in the corner, tries to uh, run Nash's head into it, but the ref gets in the way because apparently that's just too far. <laughs> not, not, not the screwdriver. Yeah, not the screwdriver. <laughs> not literal face stabbing, yeah. but, the, but, but the, the turnbuckle corner pad was too much. Um, but uh, the Jeff Jarrett eventually comes out because we all need more Jeff Jarrett in our lives, apparently. Yeah. Because we didn't have enough run in uh, so far in this pay per view, right? Exactly. <laughs> at, at least, he, at least he, he wasn't wearing a mask. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it needed. We needed lights to turn off. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I should say Nash ends up busting Billy Gunn open with a. Uh, I don't even remember. Was it the corner? The exposed corner? Uh, I think that's what I, did it. I actually don't recall. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't Billy Gunn's bleeding. Yeah. That's all that matters. I think. I think actually Nash just like punched him with his taped fist. I think that's what they were trying to get over. Yeah. Um, but then Jeff Jarrett comes out, hits Kevin Nash with the title belt, the NWA title belt, and mm-hmm. makes Kevin Nash bleed. So now they're both bleeding, but the referee's down, of course, because it's TNA, and there's always got to be a ref knocked out somewhere. Yeah, of course. And. Uh, <laughs> So they're both bleeding. What happens next? Well, my third huge laugh of the show. <laughs> a doctor and Jeff Jarrett's attorney run out to the ring. And you know he's a doctor because he's wearing a white jacket. Yeah, yeah. That was so comically uh, large for his size as well. Well, he's a doctor, you know? <laughs> they they don't just give those away, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're right. <laughs> so the doctor who i guess is like a crooked doctor with Jarrett, gets in the <laughs> ring and stitches up billy gunn in the corner inside the ring while the ref is down he's takes like two minutes to stitch up billy gunn puts on new skin yeah at least that's what that's what the commentary told me that they were putting on new skin <laughs> on billy gunn and uh so he stops the bleeding on gunn nash is still bleeding ref gets back up sees that nash is busted open so billy gunn wins yeah and then after the match, Kevin Nash hits him with a botched jackknife powerbomb. Yeah, the most embarrassing jackknife uh, ever. <laughs> it was a, a sit-out powerbomb, okay? It was a sit-out powerbomb. <laughs> Batista bomb, yeah. Yes, exactly. Oh, what what do you think of this, man? Oh, uh, atrocious from start to finish. Uh, uh, we had like... Uh, uh, I don't know. Probably uh, Gunn at some point wanted just wanted to show off that he knows how to use everything that's inside a toolbox. He wanted uh-huh. to to demonstrate that he is a real man's man. You know, he can use everything right. in a toolbox uh, because otherwise there is no no point in in, in bringing all of this stuff out. And yeah, uh, yeah it was everything about it was. Uh, uh, between a comedy and a tragedy. <laughs> yeah, the doctor ran in, Jeff Jarrett, uh, uh, the the jackknife powerbomb at the end. It was and, a comedy of errors. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was just nobody cared really going into this match. Once again, just two two names, two names that don't really care, and which results into a pretty bad match. Yeah. So it's like, what does TNA gain here? And yeah, fun stuff. Fun stuff, but it was worth it for the comedy at the end, if not if nothing else. Yeah. Um, 
If you've seen so, if you've seen any of Billy Gunn's matches in 2020 on AEW Dark, they are way better than this 2005 match. Yeah, yeah, he is. He is, be worse. he is actually putting some efforts into it. Uh, maybe because he has both of his sons in there, but uh, he is putting right. some efforts now. Yeah, it's, it's got to be a cool opportunity to uh, team with your son. Yeah. at that stage, especially because I think even Billy Gunn, I think he was just in like a bodybuilding competition <laughs> so yeah. he's still like very in shape obviously as he's kind of always been and i the, what i have seen from him in aw he seems like he could still go at a pretty solid yes. pace yeah absolutely as, as fast a pace as, he, as he's ever wrestled at least so <laughs> yeah. um not at the pace of this next match oh ultimate man. x challenge finally not an ultimate x match ultimate x challenge and um so this is like first of all i'll say it was a great match mm-hmm, but it's yeah. like they're they're adding like unnecessary layers to it yeah. <laughs> kind of it's like it's so tna was, was a little bit convoluted in it so here's the rules here so x ultimate x everybody knows you know it's there's the cables that are in the shape of an x up top and with the belt hanging in the middle yeah you have to climb the cables to grab the belt it's a ladder match but different but not this match so this match so there is a title hanging Mm-hmm. But first, it starts off as a tag team match. For some reasons. For some reason. There's four guys in this. So there's AJ Styles, who's the champ, Christopher Daniels, Ron the Truth Killings, and Elix Skipper. Elix Skipper, if you don't know, is the guy that walked the cage and did that crazy spot. Yeah. That Hurricane Ron spot. For anybody that doesn't know. The unsung, the unsung hero of TNA. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. For sure. That was definitely a turning point for them. Yeah. Um, but... So it start this match as you said starts out with a tag as a tag match, and I believe it is who is it? It's um it's AJ and Elix Skipper versus Christopher Daniels and R Truth or Truth. I'm gonna call him R Truth probably in this match. Yeah, if I have that right, I don't even know if it really matters honestly. Yeah, it probably so, doesn't matter, but yeah, I think yeah. So yeah, so so the overall premise of this match is it starts out as a tag match. Whoever takes the fall is eliminated Mm -hmm. then it becomes a triple threat match yeah whoever takes the fall there is eliminated so when it's down to the final two then is when ultimate x starts yes so still an ultimate x match but with just some hoo-ha in the beginning yeah i guess guess who was booking that shit hmm i can only imagine (laughs) is it russo was russo there at this point yeah i think so Pretty much. That makes this whole show make sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But so the tag match happens uh, pretty quick. Uh, sol- I mean, all these guys are super talented. So it was pretty yeah, good. Yeah, of course. Uh, Truth ends up getting eliminated uh, by Dan or Elix Skipper, I believe. Do I have that right? Uh, no idea, actually. <laughs> I don't recall. I don't recall. I don't recall who eliminated who. I watched this yesterday and I already forget. Um, but also, like one thing about this match is that Daniels and AJ Styles are like being portrayed as the stars yeah. of this match, like by far. Yes. They had a match at the previous pay per view, and they they're the guys that have been built the most yeah. at this point. So it's like obvious that they're going to be the final two. So it's like why not just have a one on one Ultimate X match? 
Yeah, or you know? or even a fatal four way, but but yeah, don't do the unnecessary bullshit before. Even because uh, yeah. just the fact that we don't recall who is the guy who pinned, you know, it, yeah, it, it shows that uh, you just uh, you have a lack of attention because you know that everything that happens before doesn't matter. So, right. Exactly. If you want, you you could have done yeah, Ultimate X one one or. Fatal four way ultimate X. That, that would have made much more sense. Yeah, I would have loved to see a fatal four way with these guys, but oh yeah. Um, so yeah, Truth gets eliminated. So now it's a triple threat match between Styles, Daniels, and Skipper. Uh, Skipper ends up getting eliminated. Which, which also another layer to this match is that Christopher Daniels and Elix Skipper were a tag team. Yeah, a long time tag yeah, team. Triple tri- X. Triple X. Yeah. Yes, and they. Just recently disbanded from that cage match I was just talking about where Elix Skipper walked the cage. They lost that match and had to disband because of it. And mm-hmm. that was still like, that was like two or three months before this. So it's still pretty fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah. But I feel like no, the commentators weren't, I mean, they mentioned it a little bit, but I feel like that could have been a deeper part of this match. Yeah, probably. Um, but, you know. Ultimately, Skipper just gets eliminated anyway, so who cares? Um, but the <laughs> yeah, ultimate. And, but bef- before that, yes. Christopher Dennis did that crazy. I would call it I don't know Ooh, moonsault yes. probably I, I, uh, from from the X suspended above. He basically yep. sat on the thing and let himself fall backwards, and that was amazing. Yeah, I think that there's like a famous spot or infamous spot, I guess, where I think it's Daniels as he's like Curry Man at the time. And he does it, but he like lands on his head. Yeah, or maybe it was suicide. Yeah. Someone, someone, some mascot did it, and it was very similar to that. But yeah. he landed it much better here than he did at that point. Um, but yeah, really impressive spot. Kind of like convoluted, but it's like it's Ultimate X. You got to use those cables. Well, talking about convoluted, AJ Styles' spot was much more convoluted than that, and he basically mm-hmm. landed with the face on Alex Skipper's knee. Yes, it's like. Because it was pretty similar to what Daniels did. So AJ like climbs the cables, gets to the middle-ish, and he does like a full gymnastics routine before he (laughs) does like a a shooting star press onto Skipper and Daniels. But it was was kind of like a very similar spot. It was weird that they did it like right after each other. Yeah. Um, But uh, Skipper ends up getting pinned. Um, What is he? How does he get pinned? No, this is what happens. So, So Elix Skipper... Hits the sudden death onto yeah. AJ Styles, which is like an emerald flosion, white noise kind of move. Oh, yeah. Gets it on AJ, but then Daniels comes up behind Elix Skipper and rolls him up into a schoolboy, pinning Elix Skipper for the quick win. So now we have Daniels versus AJ. What it should have been all along in an Ultimate X match, officially. Mm-hmm. So now the goal is to grab the title that's hanging. And one, one thing that I really loved about this match is that both guys were constantly trying to get the title. Yeah. Like I feel like in these kinds of matches, ladder matches of, of these sorts, there's like, okay, let's do all these spots, these crazy moves, and then the, the title is secondary. But here, it's like both guys were constantly climbing the cables trying to get that title and fighting each other off. It felt like, like it wasn't pretty. It, it didn't yeah. look pretty at a lot of times, but it felt like a struggle. And I feel like that made the match really good, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree with you. Uh, at the beginning, I, I had the idea that uh, they botched the finish, but then it, it was intentional. 
actually. Um, yeah. Because they both try to reach for the titles multiple times without grabbing it once mm-hmm. and for all. So yeah, that, that that was so cool. Yeah, I still don't know if it was a botch or not because both guys are climbing the cables. Um, they fight each other off. Both of them, both of them fall down and hit the referee. So the ref is down once again. These poor, these poor refs taking bumps <laughs> in every single goddamn match. But so the ref is down. Um, and I think, if I remember correctly, both AJ and Daniels climb once again to the to the they climb the cables to get to the belt. And Daniels falls, but then it looks like AJ tries to pull down the title as he's falling, but then the title just doesn't come down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But maybe maybe it was a botch, maybe it wasn't. But either either way, AJ just goes right back up, grabs the title. This time he pulls it down. So he pulls the title down. AJ's on the on the ground on the on the canvas of the ring. But the ref is still down, so he doesn't see him. Because <laughs> my God, so AJ is our uh, Christopher Daniels hits the Angels' wings onto AJ Styles because AJ's he thinks he won, he thinks the match is over. So Daniels catches him off guard, hits the Angels' wings, grabs the title. Ref gets up, sees Daniels with the title. As oh, I guess Daniels grabbed the title, so he wins. He's the champion. Yeah, almost was, identical, almost identical to the first blood finish we saw earlier. Yeah, that that, that was the first time uh, the referee was ever involved in a wrestling match, probably because because he, he, he didn't know that there was a <laughs> there was a trope. <laughs> that, yeah. That <laughs> no, well, uh, all in all, I, I think uh, uh, well, this is of course match of the night, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, if you believe it or not, this pay-per-view had very positive reviews at the time. People said that it was one of the best pay-per-views of uh, TNA's history. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it had a really positive review. Um, I absolutely don't agree with that, but uh, this match this match probably made, uh, uh, made the pain we suffered uh, before <laughs> worse. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I will say there's a lot of unique stuff on this show. I'll give I'll give them that they were different, yeah. In some ways, I mean, I guess not that different than 2001 WCW, but that's here nor there. Yeah. Um. See, so yeah, a really good match. You know, even the dumb finish aside, good match, very entertaining. Um, but the next match was uh, was, I don't know. I'll, I'll say this. So we have. The world title is on the line. We have Jeff Jarrett, the champ, versus DDP. Yeah. It is a ringside revenge match. Not a lumberjack match, <laughs> says Mike Tanay over yeah. and over again. Not a lumberjack match. Not a lumber... Okay, we heard you. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, there's not really a lot of backstory to this, honestly. Is DDP wants the title and Jeff Jarrett's a champion. That's, that's pretty much the premise of it. Yeah. Um, and as per every Jeff Jarrett world title match, it's kind of very like attitude era style, like a lot of fighting in the crowd, a lot of, you know, it's no one's saying that it's no dis- no disqualification, but there's no disqualifications. Oh, yeah. Um, they fight to the back. They fight in the crowd, trash cans, chairs. Um, there was one funny spot where TDP <laughs> brings a desk chair 
<laughs> yeah. into the ring. He puts it in the center of the ring, sits Jeff Jarrett down on it, and DDP will punch Jarrett, <laughs> and he'll like spin around. Yeah, I, I was so stupid, but I popped for it. Yeah, that that, that, that was a fun spot. Uh, as usual, as you said, Jeff Jarrett took the heat for like ninety percent of the match. Yeah, yeah, but, for sure. But please t- tell us what happened <laughs> later. Man, I need to like take a deep breath before all the shit that happened. I don't even know if I'm going to cover all of it. Every so, kind of running. <laughs> so yeah, the match you know was what it was, but then the running start. <laughs> uh, let's see. You can correct me. Feel free to jump in and correct me if I'm wrong in any of this because yeah. I, I was trying to take notes, but there's so much happening. Yeah, me so, too. But there was too many. Chris Candido ends up tripping up DDP as he's running the ropes. Yeah. Um, so Jeff Jarrett hits the stroke, his finishing move, but only gets a two count. Um, then BG, BG James runs in, yeah. tries to hit Jeff Jarrett with the guitar. Um, and Jarrett is being held by Conan, who, as we all remember, they're all in three live crew together, or at least BG and Conan are. Yeah. So BG swings at Jarrett, but Jarrett ducks and hits Conan with the guitar. Oh, my God. Did he do it on purpose? Oh, my God. I know they're, they're going to fucking play that up on Impact the next episode. But um, then what happens next? So DDP pushes the ref into Jeff Jarrett. Um, so Jarrett is on the top rope, I think, right? Yeah, Jeff Jarrett's on the top rope. Mm-hmm. DDP pushes the ref into Jarrett. So Jarrett falls on the turnbuckle and he's crotched there for what feels like five minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Billy Gunn runs in, gives the famous sir to DDT. Yeah. Sean Waltman comes in because why wouldn't he? Yeah, Sean Waltman. Fucking hell. <laughs> I was like, what? Which, by the way, this exact thing happened. <laughs> and Jeff Jarrett versus Kevin Nash. Billy Gunn came in and helped Jarrett. And then Sean Waltman came in and fought off Jarrett and Gunn. The same thing happened. The same thing <laughs> happened. And, and the, the, the Waltman to 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 Walter to Waltman credits, the crowd popped. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I mentioned this in my last episode, but it was it had a fun atmosphere to it. You know, bullshit aside. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Sean Waltman, they don't really, cause like I said, he was, he appeared at the last pay-per-view, but he didn't appear at any of the impacts. So they never really explained what his involvement was. <laughs> yeah. I guess. I don't know. And then, so he's back here and once again, attacking Billy Gunn and Jeff Jarrett, uh, Bronco busters for everybody. Um, yeah. I mean, it's always fun seeing X-Pac there. I'm gonna be honest. Um, but then eventually where do you go from X-Pac? The naturals. <laughs> uh, it was hysterical because like you said the, the crowd popped hard for sean waltman yeah but then you have chase stevens and andy douglas getting in there and the crowd is like what oh my <laughs> and the crowd <laughs> went mild yes exactly deflate uh, unpumped the crowd as you would yeah. say and um so candido's in there too and they're all attacking ddp ddp fights them all off it gives a few diamond cutters to some of them but remember jeff jared is still in the top rope from being crotched, you know, a fortnight ago. And so DDP goes for the diamond cutter off of the second rope and he hits it. But <laughs> that damn attorney gets back. The doctor, I think I guess the doctor's done for the day. But the <laughs> Jeff Jarrett's attorney gets in the ring to to, to uh, try to stop the pin. But Monty Brown gets in the ring and he's like, hey, DDP, I got this. I'm going to go attack the attorney and get him out of here so you can win. So Monty Brown charges the attorney, hits the ropes, comes back, pounce, 
to DDP. Yeah. My God. It was me, Austin. It was me all along. That kind of shit. Yeah. And, uh, and that's Swerve. Jarrett. Swerve City. And then Jarrett pins DDP after the pounce, gets the win. And uh, yeah, Jarrett's still champion. Reign of Terror continues. That's why That's why I say fuck off, Vince Russo. Fuck off. <laughs> because basically, aside from AJ Styles, uh, Monty Brown was the biggest rising star in TNA. Absolutely. He was the, 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 the most natural baby face that they had. I think he debuted as a heel, but he almost immediately turned baby face because it was so entertaining, entertaining so electrifying. So mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was really a star in the making. And uh, you you took your, your biggest baby face prospect and you turned him heel for like, I don't know, uh, for, for what? To, to help this old guy's gang of... Uh, just for the sake of a swerve. Of just Jeff Jarrett. Uh, and, and for fuck's sake, Larry Zbysko was involved in that too. It was one, one, of, one, of, the, one of the lumberjacks. <laughs> How can I forget? Oh, fuck it. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that, was, that was tremendous. I was so fucking pissed. And to be honest, still am. Dude, because I like... Because like you said, Monty Brown, uh, the, the top guy that they had, everybody loved him, um, was having really good matches. I mean, he faced Jeff Jarrett a few pay-per-views ago. Yeah. Um, he's had matches with Abyss and stuff. Like he, his, his move set's entertaining. He's great on the mic. He's unique. He's a, a legitimate athlete. You know, he's a, he's a Super Bowl football player. Oh, yeah. And so they have all this momentum behind him. And like you said, they just turn him heel for the sake of turning him heel. And that's kind of like, because I wonder, because I was watching Monty Brown in these previous pay-per-views. I'm like, man, this guy's red hot. Why did this guy never win the title? Why did this guy never really amount to much in TNA? And then I see this happen. And then I'm like, oh, that's why. I think this might have killed Monty Brown. Yeah, this is truly the beginning of the end for Monty Brown. Because I think they they, uh, let him be a heel for a few months. Then mm-hmm. you have uh, Samoa Joe debuting for Impact or TNA, mm-hmm. and Samoa Joe basically had uh, a run where he, where he was undefeated for a year and a half or something like that. And yeah. from that point onwards, Samoa Joe was built in the same way that they built Monty Brown before. And yeah. uh, in a way, I'm happy because I'm I'm a huge fan of Joe, <clears throat> but you could have done that even before. I mean, you could have built at the same time those two guys as exactly as let's say monster baby faces, mm-hmm. and because uh, yeah, because Monty Brown, because I saw a clip recently where Sting debuted in uh, TNA. Yeah, and this was like almost a year after this, and yeah. Monty Brown is still with Jeff Jarrett at that point. <laughs> so I don't know if they like stayed together, you know, consecutively throughout that whole time but man if monty brown just spends a year as jeff jarrett's henchman yeah that is like <laughs> brutal and that's yeah it's no wonder really they didn't reach above this point yeah but at least we got marcus corvon in ecw i was a, do you remember that of course i do I was a, <laughs> of course you do of course How I, do. Dare I? I, I was a huge marcus corvon mark and a huge Braden walker mark for the all three weeks that he was there 
Uh, knock knock, Brady no, Walker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> knock knock. Terrible knock knock jokes. Brady oh, Walker. Man. If he would have had better knock knock jokes, he would have been world champion. That's yeah, right. probably. Probably that's yeah. <laughs> that's all that it was. That was funny because he also had like Lance Hoyt in ECW at that time, and yeah. Bunch of guys. It's kind of a weird crossover. I never really thought about how <laughs> all these guys on this show are like in ECW at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean that that brings the the show to a close. Overall, what did you think of this show? Oh, uh, pretty crap. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I'm I'm not good with grading stuff, but yeah, except for the Ultimate X, I, I wouldn't recommend any other match. Even the Jeff Hardy Abyss. Yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Because Mostly because mm-hmm. everything that came before was really terrible. Yeah. And uh, the, but they've also had they've had better matches in, in the future. Yeah. Abyss and Jeff Hardy. Yeah. So I would recommend one of the, those the, matches instead uh, of this. The opening match with uh, AMW three uh, three left crew and Team Canada was uh, fine, I guess. Mm-hmm. Then uh, Chase Steven versus Chris Sabin uh, was uh, I, I don't know uh, forgettable. Uh, yeah, forgettable. Uh, Raven Dusty Rose terrible. Fidata Slam versus the Nazi bikers, terrible. <laughs> Monty Brown versus uh, Triton, uh, fuck off him and his small head. Um, <laughs> Jeff Hardy versus Abyss, yeah, it was enjoyable, but mm, I-, I wouldn't watch it back. Outlaw, yeah. Outlaw versus Kerry Nash, whoa, that's a seven-star classic. And uh, yeah, the Ultimate X was the, the only match that I would say, yeah, I can like watch it back just for fun. Um, yeah, and the less said about uh, every Jeff Jarrett match ever, the better. Yeah, man, this podcast episode could have just been that last sixty seconds of you talking. Fuck <laughs> Triton in his small head. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you. I mean, it, it was fun to watch in in like a historian's point of view, just to see how ridiculous everything was. But man, if I paid for this, I'd be pretty upset. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you didn't pay for it. You, you fucks over there for stealing pay-per-views. No, no, no. We, we had it for free on, on television. So that was uh-huh. cool. Whatever you had to tell yourself. Um, but yeah. Uh, so it's a, I, you have a, you've been doing a lot of interviews lately. The last minute wrestling podcast. Yes. Yes. Uh, late, my latest interview at this moment is uh, with Joe Hendry from Ring of Honor. He's a, he's a Scottish wrestler. He's been uh, in Impact Wrestling for a little while. Now he's uh, he's been sent to Ring of Honor. And uh, it, it was actually an interview I enjoyed a lot doing because I've been following his career since he was in the Indies. And I would recommend everybody to go check uh, the Last Minute Wrestling Podcast on lnwpodcast.com or everywhere on the social media just by tapping in at lnwpodcast. And uh, that's it. That's it, basically. Perfect, man. Yeah, uh, Frank's got a great show over there. A lot of cool interviews. Uh, really, really good-looking website, too. I checked it out earlier. It's definitely oh, been a lot better than a lot of websites I see. But, uh, yeah, really good <laughs> stuff over there. And I'll put all your information in the uh, description as well. So everybody go check out Frank and the Last Minute Wrestling Podcast. And, uh, yeah, thanks again for coming on, man. Well, man, thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun. Once again, thank you to Frank Mandolini for joining me today on this fantastic episode uh recapping tna destination x 2005 always a fun time talking about tna always a fun time talking with frank so when you make those two things have intercourse together well then you just have a climax of uh 
I don't know, jizz, I guess. I, I don't know. It's penis jokes, okay? Penis jokes. So... <laughs> apronbump.com for all my episodes if you enjoyed this tna review uh feel free to go check out my other tna reviews Uh, you can easily do that one by searching at any whatever podcast platform you choose Um, but you could also go to apronbump.com click on episodes and that'll allow you to kind of filter through which uh, promotions and time periods you want to listen to me uh, babble on so check that out if you wish uh, next week we have WWF Unforgiven 2001. And you might be thinking to yourself, man, that's kind of a random ass pay-per-view. Well, it kind of is, but man, uh, recorded that a few days ago with, uh, the lovely Ruthless Aggression Era podcast, uh, Dave from the Ruthless Aggression Era podcast and Man, that was a fun episode, so you'll be surely wanting to subscribe to The Apron Bump and make sure you don't miss that episode. Um, That'll probably be, that might set the record for the longest episode that I've done so far, um, outside of the the roundtable from last week, but be sure to check that out, and uh, yeah, Apron Bump on Twitter and Instagram, apronbump.com, and uh, yeah, go suck your dog's dick and fucking, I don't know, sorry. I'm very bad at ending these shows now. I have an awesome song, but now I, it's just dribble leading up to it. Thank you guys once again for listening. I'm hard. Yeah.